0: With Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our online banking and mobile app are like having a branch at your fingertips. Insured by NCUA and with everything you need to use and manage your accounts 24-7. Hi, I'm Tom Obergefell of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to enjoy better banking where and when you want. Features include bill pay, money transfer, budgeting, early payday program, and much more. Check us out today at NotreDameFCU.com to learn more. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with Bishop. And a special thanks goes out to our friends at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for underwriting the show. We have another question from our friends at Rekindle the Fire from the men's conference. Leftover questions from your Q&A. It says, what are charisms and how do I find mine? I guess maybe before you get into that, I I feel like I've heard of charisms more in maybe the past two to five years than the whole rest of my life. Is that is it just me, or are we talking about charisms more lately? Yeah, I mean, I think really with the charismatic renewal that
1: began back in the late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. there was a lot more talk about charisms. But it's always been there in Scripture. St. Paul writes about the different charisms of the Holy Spirit.
0: Does he call them charisms?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess— Charisma in in Greek, I'm trying to remember if they're usually translated as charisms sometimes it might be translated as gifts.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought maybe to kick things off before you get into this too much, we could take a look at the catechism. There's three paragraphs, paragraphs 799 through 801 that talk about charisms. So maybe if you don't mind, Bishop, I, I could read a paragraph and you could reflect on that. Be happy to. Okay. So paragraph 799 of the catechism says, whether extraordinary or simple and humble, charisms are graces of the Holy Spirit, which directly or indirectly benefit the church, ordered as they are to her building up to do the good of men and to the needs of the world.
1: I think that's a very good description of charisms. And I think it's really good that you you mentioned that, yeah, there's sometimes extraordinary charisms Where, for example, when you read the Acts of the Apostles, which we read during the Easter season, you see kind of more of these extraordinary charisms. Mm -hmm. You know, with the apostles after they received the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and then even with Saint Paul, you know, the power—for example, the gift of healing—things like that. They they are more extraordinary. Or speaking, and they they all understood them in different languages somehow. Exactly, exactly. That gift of tongues. And
0: so there's. Those are two different things, correct? Well,
1: they are. I mean, one is, you know, at Pentecost, everyone understood the the language, and that was pretty extraordinary. Yeah. The other one's a little more ordinary, I guess you could say, which is when one, filled with the Holy Spirit, what they call glossolalia, kind of you're, you're praying and you don't even. In words that you don't even understand, uh-huh. it's just kind of like sounds that come out when yeah. we're praying. so that's that's one of what are called the lesser gifts okay. that uh, St. Paul lists. So that I'm glad you mentioned that. That's different than that extraordinary gift on Pentecost Sunday, okay. when everyone from all these different nations and languages understood what the apostles were preaching. yeah, yeah, so, but then we we should never forget the simple gifts. Uh-huh. I mean, I think of someone who has the charism for teaching. I mean, mm-hmm. I think of some of our catechists in the diocese or some of our teachers in our Catholic schools who really have this gift for teaching. It's, so you can say, okay, it's a natural ability, but it it's also can be seen as a gift from God. Sure. And the key thing in all of these, and we have to discern what our gifts are. That's why we have the called by name program in the diocese or I'm sorry, the called and gifted program, uh-huh. which helps parishioners to discern the gifts that they have, that they can use for the building up of the church in that parish. Notice how that paragraph in the catechism says that the Lord gives these charisms for the upbuilding of the church. Right. Mm-hmm. And some people don't know what their gifts are, but then they, they do something and they find out, wow, this has really been effective. You know, I didn't know that I... Was good at bringing consolation to a person when they lost a loved one. Mm. So then they get involved in bereavement ministry in their parish. Um, it's very beautiful. Yeah. So everybody has these different charisms that can help build up the body of Christ. So I I think that's a and a, a number of our parishes have this. Are you familiar with the called and gifted?
0: I've heard a lot of good things about it. I know people that have gone through it and have realized gifts and charisms that they didn't really know about before. And Oh, I, I'm actually have this gift and I, and then then they find something new that they enjoy. How, how much overlap is that with like an occupation or vocation? Like, are those intertwined or are they, they're separate? Like you could work on one thing, but your charisms might be like you, you're talking about taking care of the sick or something like that. That might have nothing to do with your occupation. Right. It could or it couldn't, right? Right,
1: sure. Right, exactly. Yeah. It could or it couldn't. I mean, obviously, when they match, that's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in a sense of, you know, if someone's in a job that they're not very good at or that they don't enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, it's obviously not very, not necessarily productive. But then, so one kind of has to do a discernment, really, regarding their career as well. And that, in a sense, you look at both the natural and supernatural. But I think, I think, you know, joy is a sign. Like, yeah this this brings joy. You know, and it's helping people in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so many examples of that. I mean, I know people, for example, who just have that gift of intercessory prayer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, where they love to you know pray for others, and it brings them joy. And of course, you know that's very efficacious. You know, it's often hidden. Yeah, But, you know, I'm convinced that people who have that gift or praying for me, Mm -hmm. like that's bearing fruit. So there's all kinds of things. There could be, like someone, I was talking to somebody who was kind of never, you know, was committed to the poor. They were generous when there were like appeals for Catholic charities and stuff, but they never had really the experience of working with or serving the poor. Mm Mm-hmm. And I invited this couple to participate in actual hands-on through the St. Vincent de Paul Society. And they were kind of a little fearful about it. And then they got involved and they saw, and they would visit the homes of the poor and bring them assistance. And then they kind of became friends and they saw that they had this gift, you know, because they had good personality but there was fear that was getting in the way. So that's where we have to, with the called and gifted, not be afraid to use the gifts we have and realize maybe
0: by trying something out, whether one has that charism or not. So is that something you'd recommend everybody should do? Or if you're, if you feel like you know what your gifts are, your charisms are, don't worry about it. But if you're kind of struggling with that, it's a good thing.
1: Yeah. And I'd I'd say if you have someone that you can, you can even ask people, like mm. you can say to friends or family, what do you think would be a way that you think I would be able to serve the church? Yeah. You know, what do you see as a way? And and I think sometimes people close to us would say, well, you know, you have this gift, you know, you're, you're so compassionate or, you know, it, you know, they see a quality in us that maybe we don't even look at, we don't even notice that much. And others can help us. So you don't necessarily have to go through a formal thing yeah. like called and gifted. Although if your parish has it, it's good. Uh, but even if they don't, you can do some individual discernment.
0: And I think the thing you said there of, of what are my gifts that I could use to serve the church? I think that's the critical thing there. Like that's that's what we're here to do is to serve the church. And not literally the building right. that you attend on Sundays, but the church. Like you know, serving the poor and the sick and stuff like that is serving the church because we're all the body of Christ. Yeah. Building up the kingdom of Christ in
1: the world. Exactly.
0: So I feel that second paragraph kind of gets into that of the the body of Christ. One thing, the first sentence says, charisms are to be accepted with gratitude by the person who receives them and by all members of the church as well. Exactly.
1: It's really sad if, you know, someone, you know, goes to uh, the parish or the pastor or whoever, and offers to listen, I think I have this charism can, and let's say they're not open to that, you know, that can be a little demoralizing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, even as Bishop, you know, it's important that we, that we be open, that I be open to the charisms
0: of others. Mm. Well, actually that paragraph 801, it mentions the church's shepherds, which I I assume that's, bishops and priests. Mm-hmm. It says, it is in this sense that discernment of charisms is always necessary. That, that seems pretty Always necessary. No charism is exempt from being referred and submitted to the church's shepherds. Their office is not intended to extinguish the spirit, but to test all things and hold fast to what is good so that all the diverse and complementary charisms work together for the common good. Exactly. Because there could be someone who in their own personal
1: they might be a little how would I say uh need more direction and mm-hmm. that they may want to do something that actually isn't going to benefit the whole body of Christ, and that's where the shepherds, the pastors come in, and we have to order the charisms, you know, like let's say someone comes and they have some project and they say they have this charism, this gift, but you see that this might conflict with something that's already happening. So it needs to be organized. It needs
0: to be coordinated. Okay. And yeah, that's that submission to the shepherds then. Right. So your charisms? I mean, I think I would say teaching. Okay. Yeah. I kind of
1: think yeah. I, I enjoy teaching, you know, that's one of the signs and, you know, there are hierarchical and charismatic gifts. Okay. So okay. the hierarchical gifts, for example, the gifts I've received through the Sacrament of Holy Orders. Mm. Okay, obviously, and, and you know, the bishop and the priest, our tasks are to to preach the gospel, proclaim, the, it's the ministry of the word, the ministry of sacraments, which mm-hmm. is the sanctifying office, and the ministry of governing, which is being a shepherd, being a guide to the community. So when we are ordained, we receive the strength of the Holy Spirit for those those duties, for the performance of those tasks And sometimes, for example, it's like the celebration of the Eucharist or other sacraments, just following, doing it correctly, you know, God acts, God works, Mm -hmm. you know. But it's also important that in other things like preaching or shepherding, where the human comes into it more, that we not become obstacles, to God's, uh, Mm. you know, so that means we don't preach our own ideas. We don't preach ourselves. We preach the word of God as it comes to us through the church. So anyhow, I think it's good to see the relationship between the hierarchical and the charismatic gifts. They're not opposed to each other. And as that catechism piece said, we don't, you know, we don't want to stifle the spirit, Mm -hmm. but also the way Christ instituted the church, it's an orderly, the Holy Spirit's an orderly spirit. Right. Okay. It's not chaotic. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's why we have three orders in holy orders. This is how Christ set up the church. So they have bishops, priests, and deacons. Mm. And what keeps everything in order? Well, also on a universal level, we have the Bishop of Rome, mm-hmm. who is the universal shepherd, who's the visible center of unity of all the bishops. So we have to be in communion with the Pope with the Bishop of Rome. Mm -hmm. So the way the Holy spirit works, you see both in the hierarchical and in quote, the charismatic. So they're not opposed to each other, but there's a harmony Mm -hmm. that's there.
0: Very good. All right. Well, again, the program is called and gifted. I'm sure there's all kinds of different books on this topic as well. Paragraphs 799 through 801 in the catechism be a good reference as well. And if your parish doesn't offer calling gifted, you could probably go to one that does? Yeah. For the program? Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Bishop. Can we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the
1: Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's engineered by Josh Skipper at the Diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend. Produced by Miriam Schmitz and edited by Tony Marks for Spoke Street Media. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.